battle. There are bullets hitting past uh, down below the junction of Jaffa Road. In retrospect, yeah, I'd been so long at the job and I knew so much and I knew so many people that I was pushing the button, you know, and out, out would come the broadcast. Elkins had been a correspondent in Jerusalem for 30 years for CBS and the BBC before his retirement in 1987. I spoke with him in a Jerusalem coffee shop five years after he called it quits. And I felt from the moment I put my feet on the ground, uh, on the floor, till the moment I got in the bed, there were so many things I wanted to scream about. And, uh, and the responsibility is not to scream, you know. What made the reporting of Elkin special was that he had lived in Israel since the 1950s knew everybody of importance in the government, and had unmatched continuity with the story. He was a Jew and a Zionist, but he held the state of Israel up to especially high standards. In 1982, he circumvented the censors to report Israel's complicity in the slaughter of hundreds of Palestinians at the Sabra and Shatila refugee camps in Lebanon. And I uh, broadcast the entire thing. And I said, uh, if you don't hear from me every six hours, that means I'm in prison and I want you to come, you know, to take care of looking after me. And I expected I would be, uh, you know, arrested. Elkins did not go to prison, but he did take a lot of heat. After suffering a heart attack, he decided to give up one of the most prestigious but demanding jobs in journalism. Perfectly in character, Elkins said he quit because he wasn't sure he could stay objective. Mike Elkins died in 2001 at the age of 84. With his passing, the curtain closed on the veteran correspondent in the field who had credibility, experience, and guts. The landscape of journalism has changed remarkably since Mike Elkins' departure. CNN now is where the ministers like to go to talk because they get five minutes live or even 10 or 15 minutes live. That's Martin Fletcher, NBC's longtime bureau chief in Israel. I interviewed him in 1992 in his Tel Aviv office, just when CNN was achieving a place of primacy in broadcast news. It's not just the correspondents nowadays who are different. The whole philosophy of news coverage has changed under the powerful influence of 24-hour cable news. I think it's a good thing for the uh, people who want to use the media for the people who want to watch the media to get a balanced, informed account of what's going on, free of pressures, political pressures, it's a disaster. Fletcher says the CNN approach, which has since gained wide acceptance, is a cop-out. The phenomenon of, of live access to television is unhealthy because it's, 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 it's not even manipulation, is it? It's just straight conduit for government propaganda. You know, you need, a journalist should stand between, I mean, it's the job of the press, to be between the propagandist and the audience. And he should filter, and that's what he's paid to do. He should filter and analyze and present it. As a professor at a university, I can't change the policies of a powerful company like CNN. I can only influence a small number of aspiring journalists who want to enter the profession. But it's worth a shot. After all, isn't one person with conviction a majority? The same advances in communication that made instant access to the world possible might just be brought to bear in training journalists. 
the Internet might be enlisted to help overcome the myopia about geography and the woeful shallowness in history. I could think of no better way to test this idea than to create a journalism course that would tackle the critical issues of Central Asia and the Middle East, a region that has long been known as the Ark of Crisis. The semester began in January. My course was listed as Journalism 298, reporting on the Ark of Crisis, 15 weeks long. I knew immediately that I needed more resources, equipment, software, and importantly, expertise. I think I hear what you're saying, and I think this does go back to the point of, of multimedia and websites being um, something that you can't control. To the rescue came Jennifer Smodish, a student in the journalism school who had extensive website experience. Her knowledge of the difference between websites and conventional media was especially helpful. The students were print reporters trying to make the transition...